0: Welcome back to the POCUS Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Gallagher. In today's episode, we'll be talking all things POCUS education. Point of care ultrasound's use has exploded in recent times and has revolutionized in the way in which we manage the critically unwell patient. And so too has the appetite for POCUS training amongst all trainees and specialists from all areas of medicine. Do you want to learn ultrasound? Where do you begin? Is it just about picking up a probe and starting to scan? And what makes a good training program? Today's episode will shed some light on these questions and more. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Carolyn Cormack and Anthony Wald from Monash Health in Melbourne, who both are POCUS educators and were instrumental in establishing the Monash Health POCUS program. They're both authors of Time to Establish Pillars in Point of Care Ultrasound, published in the Australian Journal of Ultrasound in Medicine, 2019. Caroline and Anthony, Welcome you both. It's a pleasure having you join us on the Pocus podcast today. Let's start with you, Carolyn. Uh, if you could start us off and tell us a bit about yourself and, and your role. Fantastic. Thanks, Patrick. Uh,
1: so I'm a senior sonographer at Monash Health in Victoria, and I've worked in uh, the world of ultrasound for over 25 years. I have been really fortunate for the last team to be working in the point of care space, um, and I've been involved in the program since pretty much the start of it um, or just a little bit after it was begun. In that time, I've also thrown myself into it and enjoyed it so much. I've headed off and done some more study in the world of medical education and just made sure that what I was doing instinctively, I sort of was able to back up with a bit more knowledge. And that's um, where I'm up to now.
0: Uh, Excellent. Anthony, tell us a bit about yourself and your ultrasound journey.
2: Yeah, thanks, Patrick. And um, yes, very similar to Carolyn, I actually started off my office time training in, in South Africa, though, and I trained there for a number of years, did the Europe thing, and then eventually landed up here in Melbourne almost 20 years ago now, and have been at Monash Health for, wow, must be close to 17, 18 of those 20 years now. And I went to Point of Care about five years ago, and I was very, very fortunate to dovetail into uh, the existing program that Carolyn was running. There was, you know, a huge demand for, for the cardiac side. I'm a cardiac sonographer by training. And it's just a, a lovely synergy to walk into a very well established program and have a lot of enthusiastic clinicians wanting to, to learn the skill of, of echo.
0: Yeah, great. That sort of touches on my next question. You know, you both have got extensive careers. Carolyn, you're within the radiology sort of background, and, and Anthony, you're from the cardiac and echo world, as you've both touched on. So just let's expand a little bit, a bit more what attracts you both to the realm of, of POCUS. You've probably touched a little bit on education. What else sort of interests yeah. you in, in, in the POCUS world?
1: When I started uh, in this area, it was still a fairly controversial area. So it was definitely turf wars and protection and cardiology and radiology in particular had some real challenges accepting the role that ultrasound could play in other specialties and, and, and there were justified concerns in some respects. Uh, What I've seen over the last decade being involved in that is a real evolution of this area. And I really trust that, particularly at Monash, where we're collaborating with multiple departments, with cardiology and radiology, playing nicely and uh, getting in there with uh, helping emergency medicine, uh, intensive care and other specialties to do what we are going to do really well. And I've absolutely loved that. That's the thing that keeps me there. Um, I love the opportunity that we have as sonographers and as educators to see the impact that uh, ultrasound can have on the management of, of patients. Um, and, yeah, that's that's exhilarating and a real privilege.
0: You sound like you've got some great passion there, so that that's fantastic. Monash Health has probably one of the most comprehensive POCUS education programs in Australia right now. What are some of the key learnings from setting up a comprehensive program? I suppose this is more aimed at you, Carolyn, because you were there when it was was set up.
1: Oh, wow, that's a really big question. Look, we had incredible support from the hospital executives. And I think that's really important to acknowledge that that's had a huge part in us uh, being able to establish ourselves in this way and to grow as things grew. And we were very fortunate. Uh, We had... Very strong support from um, our Director of Ultrasound and, and Radiologist, um, and Professor Ronnie Potasnik, who uh, really believed in the the concept. Um, we had a very innovative chief sonographer, Peter Coombs, who is well known around Australia for his work in, in all sorts of arenas. And I think that creativity and that passion, and then the Director of uh, Emergency supported it, went up to the executive. And that's how it, it really got um, good traction and had the backing Uh, Because if I'd wandered into uh, enemy territory, I think just as a solo sonographer trying to educate, it may not have succeeded. I think the other thing to say with the success that we've had has been the collaboration that we have with our amazing doctors who are POCUS passionate people like ourselves. And we've got some key emergency physicians, intensivists and others whom we collaborate with when we're running the program. And they've got all of that clinical know-how that sort of inroads into their own departmental structures and, and the clout that is necessary to execute a program. So um, we, you know, have to acknowledge the enormous part they play. And uh, there's probably too many to mention. Um, one of the outstanding ones who's been around all the, all through this history has been uh, Dr. Gabriel Bletcher in the emergency department at Monash. And um, he's been one of the great physicians on the ground who's been young and passionate and has uh, got in their ultrasound. But there's... A ton of people that we would have to acknowledge in that space, so I won't uh, list everyone, but um, they're they're an amazing, part of the success of the program. Probably the other the learnings that we've we've recognised um, is obviously collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. We can't succeed, you know. There would be no point in radiology or cardiology coming into an intensive care unit or an emergency department and telling people how to do things. That's simple. We need to understand the space that um, our specialists working and to really understand their clinical needs and to tailor what we do to their needs and what the outcomes need to be in terms of ultrasound use and how, what modules they need, what, what sort of scanning they're going to do, what outcomes they're looking for. So, We've done a lot of work in that space in terms of governance, in terms of quality, and um, they're sort of the, some of the areas or governance, infrastructure, administration, education quality are the five areas that we ended up writing a paper on um, recently, that, the five pillars of POCUS, that, um, that were sort of a summary, I guess, of our key learnings from our program. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Have you got anything to add on that point, Anthony? No, I
2: think Carolyn, you know, summarised it beautifully,
0: it comes from the top down. Sort of focus more generally, what do you see the biggest challenge for point of care ultrasound moving forward?
1: There's quite a few. I think um, both Anthony and I are involved in other organisations as well, so uh, sort of our view of this is quite broad. I think within Australasia, we're still really experiencing growing pains with the world of point of care ultrasound. I think um, there's many challenges. One of those, um, which is how large or extensive should the training be? How in depth should it be? We've kept things fairly binary and simple, and I think that's been a key to our success as well. We don't teach for our clinicians or our physicians to replace the work of cardiology and radiology. We, particularly within the emergency department, keep things short and sharp quick answers to manage a patient, to confirm a diagnosis, a working uh, diagnosis enabled in, in to expedite, you know, enabling them to expedite patients' care. So th- when you're teaching with a very uh, finite uh, module, uh, the, the list of things that they're assessing and making a decision on diagnostically is, is limited. I think that's really successful because otherwise you open Pandora's box and it becomes extremely complicated and the potential for error because of lack of experience is enormous. So that, that would be one thing to say. But um, I think also the ad hoc learning, the nature of POCUS is that doctors have curious minds and are wonderful uh, learners uh, as a general rule, obviously, high-level learners. Um, I think the lack of teachers on the ground, the lack of clinicians with expertise and the lack of uh, time as that many even of our POCUS champions struggle with, they're, they're the challenges that are going to hold back because um, until we've got enough People within different specialties that are using ultrasound with a skill set to then engender further learning uh, within their specialties, things are constrained and that that can be a real challenge. So we're certainly in that phase at the moment of just um, getting to the next step a lot more like many places in America are experiencing where they're further advanced than we are. Another challenge that I would see is just that whole notion of uh we talked about the you know the infrastructure around POCUS. So it's not just as simple as picking up a probe and waving it around and, and everything's fabulous. You know, some of the other considerations that are uh, being left neglected, uh, things like archiving of the images and, and documentation for patient record consideration of those things that, that requires time that requires money and uh, cooperation potentially of IT departments and others to execute that so I think there's some of the challenges that POCUS experiences it has to uh grow up to be fully legitimate and legitimised in the, in the eyes of other specialties so that when a an ultrasound is performed by an emergency physician and they say my patient has a ruptured ectopic and needs to go to theatre straight away, that the ONG unit, when they call, they're going to say, fantastic, we trust your diagnosis, we know you guys are great with ultrasound, uh, straight do not pass go, do not collect $200 straight to theatre. But I think there's still certainly a way to go before we have that across the board. And In another 10 years, it'll be a, a very different space, but for now we are certainly experiencing lots of challenges, but great opportunities as well.
2: Hmm. I, think I, I think I wouldn't mind adding into that as well is, is the, 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 the management of the equipment. The equipment horizon is changing so quickly yeah. from the the fact that, that what was what were point care machines maybe five years ago that gave okay images the size of the machines haven't changed but the image quality has improved so much that you know fr- from a price point they are really really brilliant machines versus the, and and I use the word very very loosely um, the threat of of literally the handheld device That is either wired or unwired. Um, It's how organisations actually adapt to these disruptive technologies and make sure that they're used in a positive way. Um, Because if if organisations don't actually manage or at least guard clinicians in how to use these new disruptive technologies, there could be some sentinel events that, that may occur and. You know, you don't want you don't want that, that to happen where something's missed um, because somebody scanned using their own personal device. It's never been archived. It was never reported, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I think those are challenges to think about as well for the future. I think it's a very, I'll probably upset a lot of people, but I think saying that ultrasound is is you know the new stethoscope is a very flippant remark, to be honest with you, because ultrasound is way more complicated and way harder to learn. And and I think the implications of an ultrasound probe are way more than the implications of a Hmm.
0: Yeah, food to thought there, Anthony. In terms of education, where do you see POCUS heading in the future and what will be required to get there? Are we going to see more of a like a US model where they start teaching ultrasound in undergraduate medical school or what's your thoughts on 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 education and and where it's going to go? I
1: I think it'll definitely head in that direction in the future. It may take quite a bit of time uh, for that to be embedded in medical education uh, across the universities for the same reasons that we've already said in terms of resourcing and enough specialists. So we would know in radiology and cardiology, it's already hard enough to staff departments with echocardiographers and sonographers let alone others who are then going out into the educational sphere. Um, so there'll be a bottom up uh, with the with the medical students coming through with more ultrasound knowledge um, as the technology's got smaller and cheaper. there will be, you know, I've heard of medical um, schools handing out, uh, you know, handheld devices instead of stethoscopes that they used to. So it's definitely... That way, but there will also be the top down. So, from our most senior specialists within uh, different medical specialties, uh, also with the colleges mandating particular skill sets, there'll be there'll need to be investment in education uh, across the board for those who are already qualified as senior doctors uh, to, you know, add ultrasound skill sets to their repertoire. So I would imagine that colleges, I would hope, um, in the future will continue to invest in this space. One of the things that's we'd love to see is a little bit more across the board in terms of education, so that not every institution or college or different individual is having to reinvent the wheel. Uh, I think that's really important. Yes, yeah, so it'd be great to see us move from an ad hoc sort of educational space to a, a more uniform level of education for those who are wishing to use POCUS in their clinical management. Uh,
2: I couldn't I couldn't agree more and I think also there again there's this whole disruptor technology occurring on the horizon where apart from teaching the young medical students want to care ultrasound, we can even teach them anatomy using their ultrasound probe. You know, we have a, a, an extensive shortage of, of cadavers. So sometimes medical students don't have the exposure to, to anatomy like, like they should or would like. You know, if, if you're able to do something via ultrasound with a heads-up display that shows things in 3D, well, all, all the better, you know. it's Absolutely, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic possibility for them to, to learn in, in a completely new manner. But the thing is that it's all very well that, that, that medical schools are handing these devices out to students and uh, you know offering their registrars handheld devices or whatever it is that, at an extremely reduced rate. The program behind it needs to be there as well. The, the teaching needs to be there. It's not a free for, In my opinion, I think it should be a free
0: for. So tell me about... We're sort of moving on to, to, to now specific ultrasound cases. Tell me about a memorable case on which a point-of-care ultrasound has really made a difference to the patient's outcome. If, if you've got anything, um, I'm sure you've got many, but are there, is there any any specific ones that really memorable to, to both of you?
1: I think Anthony's got one of the most dramatic ones. He's done quite a few recently with some of our emergency physicians have been quite dramatic.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, it's...
2: it's there's a couple of, I've uh, got two in mind actually. The one that, that Carolyn's probably thinking of is, is, a, is a gentleman who who had been released from from hospital five days prior after having uh, a pretty uneventful bypass, cardiac bypass surgery, and he came in. He was shocked. He was hypotensive, tachycardic. I mean, he, he's just really grey and and horrible. And the ED physician did a scan, and by you know, anyone's standard, the images were pretty atrocious. But the thing is that that if reaffirmed what the ED physician was thinking of and he got like two or three pictures that were really, really clear um, and there was this massive, massive pericardial effusion that that needed to be drained straight away and was drained straight away. And, you know, literally within a half an hour of the patient hitting the recess phase, things were being done and actioned and, and, and the patient was looking a hell of a lot better. And that's that, that's one of them, and then I have another one. Yeah, actually, very very recently from the intensive care unit, um, not the intensive care unit at Monash Medical Centre. It was a, a, a you know one of the other campuses that we have, where a patient was septic, and the clinician did the ultrasound at the bedside, and you know identified a massive vegetation, infective endocarditis, and it just got the ball rolling very very quickly on this patient's care. And what needed to be done to to uh, to make sure that this patient was transferred and and looked after in the best way forward. So two two cases, slightly different departments, but uh, both of them impacting the care quite quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely shows the value of point of care. Both those stories. Where were oh. you, Carolyn? You, you should have the hangers.
1: Uh, look, I, I've, I mean, there's there's many cases, obviously, particularly in the emergency department. Um, I, I heard of an emergency physician who, outside our organisation, once said that, you know, with point-of-care ultrasound, every 10 cases that they do, probably a good six of those are going to be confirming what they already knew or thought, um, which is great just as they proceed with the management of the patient going forward with admitting them or doing whatever. But there will be that one-in-ten case that it really does change the way they manage something that was a bit unexpected that they hadn't expected when they were they had their list of differentials that they were working with and um, and that's where they really come into their own.
0: Yeah, definitely. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Finally, we'll start with you Anthony. Finally leave us with your one go to tip or pearl of wisdom for, for ultrasound technique for for those people out there that are that are learning or what's your pearl of wisdom?
2: So I guess from a cardiac perspective, wait for the patient to breathe. Don't try and chase the picture because at the end of the day, the heart's a moving organ and if you're chasing that moving organ around, um, you'll never catch it. So exercise a bit of patience, wait for the patient to breathe a couple of cycles and then start making small movements to to get your picture as soon as you can. But, you know, exercise a bit of patience. Uh, it's, it's hard, but you'll
0: get there. Slow down and don't chase the heart. Excellent, excellent. Great tip. And how about you, Carolyn?
1: Uh, oh, goodness, so many. <laughs> I'm often heard to say many repeated things. Turn the transducer between the ribs slightly in fast views so that you don't have rib shadows all the way through your upper quadrant views. Um, I think the, the, the main one is, Ultrasound is a two-handed sport. So your left hand, uh, if you're scanning right-handed, should be moving and doing things as much as your right hand is. So I think that sometimes doctors can forget to optimise an image to bother with the left hand and and change depth, change gain, really important things because if you have a horrible image, you may be able to be lucky and get away with it and, and still make a diagnosis, but more often than not, that's where you're running the risk of a false positive or a false negative diagnosis. And certainly as we've audited thousands and thousands of our cases, that's what we've found um, where the errors have been made. It's not often that people, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's not often, but um, less times people don't know what they're looking at. It's more that, that they could have had the opportunity to get a great image or a great diagnosis had they had better settings on their machine. So I think people can't just jump in, turn on the engine in a car and then just drive without adjusting the mirrors, uh, the indicators and, and, uh, and so on. So I think that's the thing with ultrasound. It's a two-handed sport.
0: Okay, great, great. I can hear you uh, telling that to your trainees <laughs> sort of uh, when they first start. Caroline and Anthony, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat today. I'm sure this program and, and the Monash program didn't just happen is there? I, we've already you've already mentioned a few people earlier, but um, a lot of moving parts in in what you guys have achieved. And is there anyone specific or any any people that, specific that we want to that you want to take this opportunity to to thank?
2: Yeah, I think our heads of departments really really need for, for yeah. backing the program. So they need a special mention, and they so they do give us a little bit of freedom and leeway as well, uh, which is, is highly appreciated. But at the end of the day, it's a whole collaborative team, and really, there's like 30, 40 people that support a major, major program, whether it be the clerical staff who help us with ordering and, and and help us just to find machines when, when they're lost in the department because someone's forgotten to plug it back into where it normally lives through to, to the executive who's never touched an ultrasound machine but supports us and whole heart disease. So it's a massive, massive undertaking and I think uh, everyone needs to think.
0: Yeah, great. Well, thanks again for joining us today on the POCUS podcast. Your passion and enthusiasm has really shone through and I'm sure that the listeners have really taken away um, a few key, key points. So thanks again and uh, yeah, bye.
1: Thanks, Patrick. All the best.
0: Thank you. The POCUS podcast is proudly presented by GE Healthcare. Opinions expressed in these episodes are solely the guest's own and not necessarily express the views and opinions of GE Healthcare.